Jesus. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. And uh, let's give it up to our online viewers. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out, showing up. We had a good service downtown, and we had a good Christmas party uh, on Wednesday night. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I like the old-fashioned, old-time songs with the new-time jazz, and uh, I like Christmas. I, I, I think uh, maybe if you're like us, uh, we're, we're hurried through Christmas because it's so much going on and so fast that uh, if you can, uh, we need to just take a step back and take a deep breath and just enjoy, enjoy the journey, right? Enjoy the moment uh, as we go through. So... We are on the uh, who, what, when, where, and why of Christmas. And so last week we talked about who. Who is this Christ child? He's the, he's the good shepherd. He's the, um, he's the word made flesh. He's the only begotten son. He's the uh, elf in the omega. And today we're going to learn the what and where. And just a prelude, maybe you didn't uh, design your life to be where you are right now? Like, what did I do, or what happened, or where am I at? Uh, that was true with some people in the Bible as well. And we'll talk about that today, just kind of the what and where. What are some things that we go through? We'll, we'll, we'll do some funny stuff too, just with some food because of the way some people eat, but just kind of the what and where. It, it's just, it's mind-boggling that God would send his only begotten son to die for you and to die for me. And so some people, because they can't comprehend that, they don't accept it. That doesn't mean that it's not real, right? Jesus came and died so that we could have life and that in abundance. Can you give it one more time? Give it up for the Lord and then we'll read our, our text today. And so, uh, yeah, come out on uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, I was born and raised Roman Catholic, uh, and our family went to Midnight Mass every Christmas Eve. And that, like Marcus said, that started the whole Christmas day, uh, and it was really kind of a blast. And so we've, Janie and I have done Christmas Eve service for 20 years in, in full-time ministry, and, and we absolutely love it. But it's also, it's just kind of that keeping things in perspective, right? Come out for Christmas Eve, have a good service for an hour, and then go home and eat or watch a movie or open presents or get ready for the next day, whatever whatever you need to do. But come on out. It'll be a good time. But come early. Another thing we want to do, come early, and a couple reasons why. I think the doors are going to open at 530, but we're going to have um, ginger ale and eggnog and some finger foods. We're going to have a pianist in the lobby playing Christmas carols, and uh, it's going to be fun. It's just going to be a really good night, so come on out, and again, it won't take, it won't be real, real long for you. It's just going to be really impactful, and what a great, if you don't start that tradition, what a great time to start that tradition for, for Christmas Eve. Also, so the Girlfriends event is just that, Girlfriends, so it's women's only, and it's uh, 18 or so on, on up, okay? So there will be no child care provided. So um, 18 on up, women only for the girlfriend's event. Good? All right. All right. So our, uh, our uh, t 
text today is out of Luke, the second chapter, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered and in association they should be taxed. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your your word. We thank you for this magnificent story of the birth of Jesus Christ. We thank you, uh, Lord, through the pain and suffering even of birth and death, burial, resurrection, that we truly do have life. So, Lord, as we open our hearts to you today, please allow us to receive every good word that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. All righty, so you know this story. It's not new. Uh, it's on Christmas cards. It's in books. Uh, it's sung in Christmas uh, stories and songs and musical. It's a beautiful story, but yet there's a backdrop to every story. There's kind of a basis or a reason. In this particular case, the basis and the, the reason of this particular story is that Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem. There's, they had to go to Bethlehem because they had to register so that they could be taxed. And if you see that scripture, I think it's verse number two, this was the first time. This was the first registration, the first taxation. So it's important to know that because even God will work behind the scenes using whatever entity he can to get you where he needs you. It's like if you've ever gotten laid off of a job or fired or moved or had to, your company closed down, and all of a sudden God positions you somewhere else, and you think, man, I got fired or laid off, and yet God moved things around so that he could bless you in the backside and behind. So we think maybe a decision was made that was out of our control. God is always in control. Can you say amen? This is what God does. God is well, the, those of you, those of us who have surrendered our life to him, all right, we've placed our trust in him, our faith in him, our hope, our confidence, our belief all on Christ Jesus. They're all in Jesus, and all of a sudden, he's not going to let us down. The Bible says he would never leave us, nor will he forsake us. He's not going to forget about you. He's not, he's not the one that would just do something or say something and then never, never take care of you. He loves you too much. God wouldn't send his son if he didn't love us. And so there's kind of the what and where. Well, when Joseph had to go to Bethlehem, all right, because that's where he was born, his fiancée, Mary, was pregnant with child. Now, historians tell us that on a donkey, and we're not even sure if she was able to ride a donkey, but on a donkey, it was a five-day journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So think about it, those of you women who have bore children, you are not, you like in your last week. You're not in your last trimester, you're in your last week, and now you've got to hop on a donkey, and you have to ride for five days to go get registered. How many knows if this was the first registration, a lot of Josephs in the room would say, would take a pass and say, well, let's register next year. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just pay our, let's, let's file an extension, we'll pay our taxes next year, right? But Joseph had this, this 
dream from God that says, hey, go ahead and go do what you're told, that Mary uh, is pregnant with my son, and you will betroth her, you will engage her, you will go through with the, 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 the wedding ceremony, but you need to do these things. So he had to go to Bethlehem. He knew ultimately it was part of God's plan. So some of the things that happen in life, although it looks like they're maybe from government or from business or from employers or from situations or from neighborhoods or from family members or from relationships both successful and failed, it is God's guiding hand that ordains those throughout the end. The end is always better than the beginning. And so the what and where is, if I'm Joseph and, and you got Mary, it's like, man, I five days on a donkey, and when she gets there, her water breaks, and that baby's going to come out, and that's where the story begins. But I want to talk to you about the what and where sometimes, especially as it regards to, to food, because I wrote down some things that just sometimes seem a little odd. So I'll take a, a little survey as you uh, walk through this with me, uh, what might be odd. Uh, Janie and I like uh, Wendy's Frosty, sorry. Sorry, bro. We, we, like, we like Wendy's Frosties with salted fries. Anybody like to dip fries in? Yeah. That's, that's an eye-opener there. And it's a game-changer. Now, you could do it at McDonald's. You, you, it, if, if the ice cream stream's not broken, or if they haven't already cleaned it, or if the drive-through line's not too long, uh, <laughs> but Wendy's Frosties and and their salted fries, try it. You, you dip them. You just dip them. And the first time Janie turned me on to that, I thought she was crazy. She says, "No, I think it actually tastes pretty good." I tried it. Kind of been hooked ever since. I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's it's actually pretty good. How many put potato chips on their sandwich? Yeah, I always thought there was a little something off with you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, a lot of people do that. I don't. Uh, uh, chips are a side item for me. So eat the sandwich, then have the chips. Uh, but we do have, uh, Emily, I think you put chips on your, yeah. Uh, it might be a southern thing. Chicken nuggets in your what? In the frosty. <laughs> no, see, that's, she's from Burke County, so just from, Give her, give her a pass. Just give her a pass. There's, <laughs> she's, how many ever have ketchup on eggs before? Yeah, most northerners will do that. Yeah, ketchup on eggs. How about peanut butter and banana? That's pretty good, right? Yeah. I remember the first time I tried that. How about this one? This is a southern thing that our, my father-in-law taught Janie and I years ago. Uh, peanuts in Pepsi? Yeah, yeah. Just a few. Really makes it kind of foam up. It really, actually, should try that. It's really, it doesn't work on Coke. There's something about Pepsi that the peanuts, and a bottle. It's got to be a bottle of Pepsi. can't be a can. So I'm just teaching you. Y'all kind of started this, but chicken and waffles. Who'd have thought that was such a good thing, right? Wow. And then I have a friend who, back in Omaha, where we're from, they have the best Italian steakhouses up in the world, uh, literally. I mean, some of them have closed up, but Caniglia's and Cascio's and Mr. C's and Ross's and Anthony's and Cascio's and Angie's and Piccolo's. They're just 
the best Italian. So when we came down here, we had a hard time finding a good family-owned pasta place and still have a hard time finding a good family-owned pasta place. And so a friend of ours took Jane and I out. So these guys got really good pasta. And so, you know, we ordered we ordered pizza, uh, spaghetti that day. And uh, while we were ordering it, waiting for it, he said, hey, I need to make sure uh, we got some ketchup. And I thought maybe he ordered fries with his, with his pizza or spaghetti. Uh, and then when he got it, uh, he just dumped ketchup over that and the marinara sauce. And I thought, he don't have no taste buds. <laughs> you, know, you can't put, now, I mean, so I never had ketchup on spaghetti, pasta before, but that's a different thing. And then, of course, when we first uh, moved down here, we hadn't even moved yet. We went over to the snack bar with uh, one of our board members, and we were going to eat, and Andrew ordered a, a cheeseburger. And he was about, he just turned 16 at the time, right before we moved down here, and, and uh, he ordered a cheeseburger and fries. And the, uh, the waitress, who was just about twice or maybe over double, maybe even triple his age at the time, said, you want to go all the way? That was our thought. Well, Janie about jumped out of her chair. And uh, <laughs> what, you, what you asking my son? And because where we're from, when you want to go all the way, it means different than <laughs> what you mean down here. And, uh, <laughs> and, G- and Gary, one of our board members, said, no, 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 the, the, she doesn't mean that. She doesn't mean, she means you want to go all the way. That's what she said. Do you want to go all the way? No, she means you want chili and coleslaw on that cheeseburger. And I said, why would you want chili and coleslaw on a cheeseburger? And Gary said, that's all the way around here. I said, oh, man, we got a lot to learn before we moved down to North Carolina. And Andrew was, he, he, he went northern and just said, no, I'll take pickles and ketchup and mustard. You can keep the all the way. And I still think coleslaw might be a side item. I don't, I don't like it on anything else. But the southerners, how many have it all the way sometimes where you have coleslaw? And yeah, because you're all good southern people. Thank God for you. Uh, chili belongs in a bowl, and coleslaw belongs on the, on the side in my life, not in, not, not in yours. So don't, don't try to change me. But uh, it's the same principle then, I can imagine, when God told Mary that you're going to have my son. Wait, what? Our grandson Jonah, for the longest time, would say that. Wait, what? He'd miss out on a conversation. Wait, what? Wait, what, God? Are you where? You're going to have a baby. It's going to be my son. Wait, what? Where? And I think maybe some of us and sometimes in our season of life, God, you didn't tell me my husband was going to die or my daughter was going to die or my father was going to die or my mother was going to die or these things are going to happen or I was going to get laid off a job or there was going to be a COVID crisis that was going to last two years and the economy was going to tank and inflation was going to be high. Wait, what, where are you, God, in all of this? And I want to talk to you today because we have a lot of wait, where type moments or what, where type moments in our life that just will grab us sometimes by the heart. And we wonder, what in the world is God thinking? And there was a what, where moment, I think, even in Rome and with the Sanhedrin court and with the Jews who were all political and elitist that said, there won't be a baby born in Bethlehem that becomes our ruler. Wait, where is this going to happen? 
what is this going to take place? What's going to be the, the, the reason behind this? What, what are we going to do? I think sometimes in our life we look at that way. We say, what, what? God, what are you doing? Where is this taking place? What is going to happen? Where is this taking place? And so I want to talk to you today just about a few things that maybe God uses or does or some ideas in our life that we can walk through that says, what, where, or even next week, why? And the first one is this. I want you to know God's not impressed with first impressions. I think sometimes we, Marcus, can I have that, read that off your phone? This is hilarious. Uh, Marcus sent this to me. I forgot my phone. How would you write, I changed a light bulb on your resume? This man said, Sudden, single-handedly, I managed the successful upgrade and deployment of a new environmental illumination system with zero cost overruns and zero safety incidents. <laughs> he changed the light bulb. <laughs> you, you can make anything sound good, Right? You, in, 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 in a resume, on a Zoom call where maybe you're dressed from the, you know, from the chest up and you got the pajamas on, you got the fluffy slippers on and that, and you're just, you're looking right into the camera or you type everything down. This sounds really, really good. I, I didn't lie. Maybe I stretched it just a little bit like that, like that text there. Maybe I, I stretched it just a little bit, but I, I didn't lie. Everything sounds really good, but God's not impressed with us. And now I'm going to tell you, if you Instagram and use the filter, we all know that. We all know that we don't look 20 years younger than what we really do, amen? But it's okay, but it's not like, who are we trying to press in life? And sometimes I think we get to that point where we put a mask on, then when we hit the doors of the church and we fall all the way to the church building or we cried all the way to the church building or we mad all the way to the church building and all of a sudden we put a mask on and we walk in the church building and someone say, hey, how's it going, brother? And you say, man, it's going good. But that's not what we said five minutes ago in the car. What we said five minutes ago in the car was, I don't even want to go to church. I can't, I can't handle seeing people who are happy and joyful, and we put this mask on. And God just wants you to take the mask off every now and then because he's not impressed. You don't have to impress him at all. And think about Mary. Mary told her fiancé that she was pregnant with God's kid. That's not wanting to impress somebody, is it? If this is God, if this is yours and if this is your doing, then hey, I'm, I'm just going to write it out. God is not impressed with first impressions. He used a hundred-year-old man named Abraham to bring forth a son that he could bring a nation out of. Or he could bring the Savior out of that nation. He built, used a 500-year-old man to build a boat so that he could save all of humanity. Think about that for a moment. He was a 17-year-old sheep herder named David to anoint as king while Saul was still the king because he liked David's heart. And we say, well, you shouldn't let young people do that or you shouldn't turn things over to that. David knew what was the heartbeat of God. Jesus used 12 motley men to become disciples. They were religious zealots. They were government uh, 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 zealots, and they were anti-government. They were small business leaders, and they were tax collectors, and they were all these things and 12 men, and God used them through Jesus to spread the gospel to the world, which we still preach today, and God used a baby in a manger, just a little baby, just in a manger in Bethlehem, 
during the time of taxation and registration so that they could be understand that according to Micah 2, that it was prophetic word that this baby would be born in Bethlehem. And so sometimes we think uh, maybe this person doesn't know what they're doing or this government doesn't know what they're doing or this business doesn't know what they're doing or this place doesn't know what they're doing. And that might all well be true, but we don't know how God's hand is working in the backside. We don't know how God is just orchestrating those things in the back end saying, okay, wait a second. Yeah, that, it, they don't know, but God does. And when uh, Caesar Augustus called for registration, they called for taxation, and the scripture that we read, and this was the first of its kind, this was the first time, and Joseph has to take his soon-to-be wife, who's pregnant with child, who when she gets there, this baby is born on a five-day journey on a donkey, and you're born in a manger. We have to even wonder what... God, are you thinking? Where in the world could this be happening? And I think sometimes in society today with social media, we get really hooked on first impressions. And that, not that that's a bad thing. It, it, it's good to clean up. It's good to dress up. It's good to look nice. It's good to, to do those things. I've seen people back in the day, it was glamour shots, and then it's filters and all those things. And I've asked Janie before, now, who's that? And she would tell me, I said, that's not that person. <laughs> I, I've seen that person before. No, no, that's who that is. Nah, that person. It's a photo op. And I think we bring the photo op into God. But see, God knows who we really are. And we, we don't need to fake it with God. We don't really need to fake it with each other because James, Jesus' brother, said, confess your faults one to another so that you can be prayed for one another so that what you can be healed. It's when we're actually honest with ourselves when we look in the mirror and we're honest with each other and say, man, could you just pray with me? I, I've got some issues in my life. Would you pray with me? And those issues stay right there with the person you're praying for. And all of a sudden, God does a really good work. But God is not impressed with our first impressions because he, he created us. He likes and knows the end from the beginning. In fact, Isaiah 46, 10 says this, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. See, we catch ourselves sometimes in predicaments where we say, what in the world am I doing and where in the world am I at? How did I get here? And we start to get mad at ourselves, and that's exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to get, get you to a place where you're down and you're depressed and there's no joy and there's hate and you think you don't even know what God's doing. You start to blame God and those around you and all of a sudden you need to come back out and say, wait a second, God, my faith, my hope, my trust, my belief, my confidence is in you, the supreme King of kings and Lord of all glory. You are the bright morning star and you know and you care about me. You have never left me. You will never leave me nor forsake me. Give it up for Jesus for a moment because he's, he is worthy to be praised. Fact is, Jesus is more concerned about the end than he is the beginning. He was more concerned about the cross than he was the, the manger. He was more concerned about Calvary than he was Bethlehem. He was more concerned about how you're going to be than how you are. Not, not that he's not concerned how you are, but he knows he's working it out for you already. That's a big thing. It's important for us to know those things. Number two, be careful of missed opportunities. 
So I think a lot of times in life, we miss out on things. People coming in, the hustle and bustle, the, the, the movement in and out, the parking lots being full, the checkout lines being ridiculous, uh, the online order being three days late, but I thought Prime was supposed to be in two days, not two weeks. And we get a little frustrated and we miss out on opportunities of teaching moments where God's trying to teach us different things. I'll give you a couple of missed opportunities just in, in life. The, there was a board of directors that actually fired Steve Jobs, the head of Apple Computer. Anybody ever hear of Brian Dunkelman? Brian Dunkelman, a you know, disc jockey in L.A., he was the original host for the American Idol, didn't think the show was going to work, voluntarily left the show. Ryan Seacrest stepped in, and everybody knows Ryan Seacrest. Sam Bowie, the Portland Trail Blazers drafted Sam Bowie. They thought he was the real deal instead of a guy named Michael Jordan. Worked out pretty good for Michael Jordan. He owns a basketball team now. The city of Cleveland, those of you who are from Ohio, the city of Cleveland had an opportunity by a young entrepreneur to build condominiums and high-rises and apartment buildings, and it's a riverfront, we're going to do all this. And uh, the mayor and the city council of uh, Cleveland, this is years ago, uh, told the young entrepreneur, that's not going to work, that's not what we're about, you know, take your ideas somewhere else. So John D. Rockefeller took his ideas to New York City. <laughs> Worked out pretty good for him as well. The British government said there is no use for a light bulb. Western Union said there's no use for a phone. Decker Records said there's no use for the Beatles. Amazing missed opportunities. Kodak said no to the digital camera. Atari said no to Steve Jobs when he, uh, uh, when he talked to them about Apple computers. And then there's a guy named Ronald Wayne. Most of us have never heard of him. When Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs started Apple Computer together, they invited Ronald Wayne to come in. They each owned a third of the company. One was in charge of inventory. One was in charge of research and development. Ronald Wayne was in charge of finances. After 12 sleepless nights, Ronald Wayne said, you know, if this thing goes belly up, I'm on the hook for the financial part of it. I can't take this financial hit. I'm going to sell my third. So he went to Steve Jobs and said, I'll sell you my third of Apple Computer for $800. Today, that third would be worth 2.1, no, $201 billion. What a missed opportunity. But there was also a missed opportunity in the scripture, and that was this, this innkeeper. He missed a golden opportunity to be able to take care of what was going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Only he thought, and this is just my interpretation, he thought, well, the inn is full, business is good, I don't need another one. Or he thought, I'm just a no-man hotel in a nowhere place just trying to make ends meet. I'm not going to try to make one more room for this person because we're busy, busy anyway with this registration and taxation. I don't, I don't know who this is, but God has a plan. And maybe you're that way. No one wants to hear you, nobody even sees you. Have you gone to a place sometime where you just see like you're invisible? Sometimes when I drive, I think I'm invisible. I think that car certainly did not see me that pulled out in front of me. There's no way that car, so sometimes I'll honk just to let them know that I, I am visible. And Janie this week said, you almost made it a week without honking. Man, I was so proud of you. Well, I messed that one up. Here's another one I'm messing next week up too. I think I'm invisible. Sometimes we feel invisible, maybe at the job site or maybe in a relationship or maybe in your home or a neighborhood, maybe just in the kingdom of God, you feel like you're invisible. Can I say you are not invisible? God has a plan for your life. 
God has a beautiful plan for your life, just like he did Jesus. But I think the innkeeper missed an opportunity. I think there was an opportunity there where, where the innkeeper could have said, hey, let me make space for you. You traveled five days on a donkey. You're definitely with child. I know you're going to give birth. We're going to find a place. And maybe there's someone in your life that you just need to make a little bit of space for. Maybe there's somebody you just need to make place for. But if nothing else, you need to make place for Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and Lord of all glory. I can remember a story my dad told, and, and if I remember it right, so forgive me if it's not, but I believe it is. Uh, my dad would tell occasional stories. And I have an uncle named Andy who uh, uh, fought in World War II, and then he, he did extended service. He, he became a career officer, and uh, he was at Midnight Mass uh, in Germany. Uh, this would have been probably in the 50s, late 50s. And um, he uh, uh, had his head down, Midnight Mass. A, a soldier tapped him on the shoulder to see if he could make room. Now, he was a sergeant. He fought uh, in, in the Battle of the Bulge under uh, Patton. He was decorated, uh, and the, this private tapped him on the sh shoulder and said, hey, could, could you move down a little bit? Uh, private actually was out of line to do that. He looked up, and it was Elvis Presley that he made room for uh, on his seat. Now, I don't know if he knew Elvis or not as far as you know, his popularity. Of course, his popularity grew. But I wonder if Jesus is tapping any of us on the shoulder tonight or to this morning. Hey, could you just make a little room for me in this holiday season? Could you make just a little bit of room for me in this Christmas season? Could you make just a little bit of room for me in, the, in, your, in your, your finances or in your budget or in your giving or in your, your present giving? Could you make just a little bit of room for me at the table when you have dinner on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Could you just make a little bit of room for me? I think we miss opportunities because we're looking for grand opportunities and they don't have to be all that grand. It's amazing what a plate of cookies will do or a box of chocolate-covered cherries. We give a box of chocolate-covered cherries to, to our neighbors with the handwritten Christmas card. It's kind of it's fun, actually. Janie used to do cookies, and I know with COVID and all that, and she'd make the cookies and have me go deliver them around, and I kind of liked doing it. And at first, I hated it, and I, I'll bake the cookies. She said, you can't bake. She said, let me make the cookies. You go take them around. So I'd go knock on the door. Hey, this is from me and my wife. And I think it's because of garage door openers and because of central air and central heat and screened-in porches, we don't get to know our neighbors anymore. And I just wonder if that's not a trick of the enemy where God would like us just to go say hi, neighbor, or give him a high five or a hug. Or just say, here's a box of chocolate-covered cherries. I think I shared this one time, maybe in church, maybe not, but one of our neighbors, her father, last year, Janie said, we got to buy Queen Anne's chocolate-covered cherries. I said, why Queen Anne's? These are cheaper over here. Queen Anne's are better. They actually have a cherry in them. The other ones just have sauce. I said, all right. So we bought Queen Anne's chocolate-covered cherries, and I took them around to the neighbors and put them in the mailbox with a Christmas card from the Dolphins family. And about uh, six weeks later, we got a thank you card from uh, one of our neighbors whose father was a chocolate broker for uh, chocolate houses in Germany, and they, came, they lived in Pennsylvania, grew up there, and uh, one of the places that he brokered chocolate for was Queen Anne's Chocolates. And she said it was like, because she had been missing her father, it was the holidays, and it was almost like she had gotten a hug from heaven just by a Queen Anne's box of chocolate-covered cherries in her mailbox. So 
It could be the littlest things. It doesn't have to be a grand opportunity. It can just be a small opportunity. But be careful that we don't miss opportunities. I believe the innkeeper missed on a golden opportunity. Last but not least, God's purpose is always people over power. I think sometimes we look for power positions. If you have a high-powered meeting, to sit at the head of the table is always the, the choice seat, okay? Or to sit in the middle of a group of people is the choice seat. Or to sit in Congress would be the choice seat. Or maybe in the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is a choice seat. God did not give Mary the choice seat, a five-day donkey ride to Bethlehem where she gave birth to the baby Jesus in a manger, in a stable on a feeding trough. This baby was born. Think about that because he's not about power. He knows all about power. He's got all the power there is. In fact, Jesus, 33 and a half years later, told Pilate, Pilate said, do you know who I'm talking to? Do you know what I can do to you? And Jesus said, simply, you have no power except for the power that my Father has given you. By the way, promotion comes from God. When you are on your job or you're in your home or you're in your finances, if you do give God his first do, if you do give God his credit, if you do give God all glory, honor, and praise, God will heap blessings back upon you because that's according to his word. So he's not He's not all about power. Jesus messed up the Sanhedrin. Jesus messed up the Roman court. Jesus messed up the Jewish elite and the leaders by being born in a stable, in a manger, in Bethlehem. He didn't come to Jerusalem. He, he, what is going on? And I would say that still today. Jesus still messes people up. They, what, what in the world do you find in Jesus? I asked a, a man asked me one time when I was really young, and Janie, I had uh, our oldest daughter Jill. She was pregnant with Jessica. We were trying to make ends meet. I was unloading trucks and had a guy named Mike come up to me and said, well, tell me about this Jesus. Why should I serve him? And I, I gave him what I, what I knew at the time as a 19 or 20 year old man. And, and uh, Mike and I talked for, for days and then we talked for weeks and we talked for months and even years. And he, he just had a deep philosophical knowledge, but he didn't have a heart knowledge. And then the Sunday before we moved to North Carolina, Mike Waymeyer came to our church in Shenandoah, Iowa, and gave his heart over to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful scenario. And then about four years later, he went home to be with Jesus. But it was a Jesus that he knew intimately, not a Jesus that he knew of. You see, the power is in the person that professes the word of God. And you can prophesy, and you can declare, and you can love, and you can have joy. You can be powerful in the things that God has given you. It doesn't have to be a grand stale. It doesn't have to be a grand stage. It doesn't have to be in front of a lot of people. Jesus really liked to work one-on-one. -on -one. Let's go to Zechariah for just a second as we get ready to close. Zechariah, the fourth chapter, we're going to read verses 6 through 10. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And you need to know that it's not by what we do. It's by whose we are, and it's God in us. And when we have a what and where moment, God, what in the world are you doing? And where did I get here? How did I get here? It might just be that the power of the living God got you there. Who are you, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? This is Zachariah's friend. Zechariah is ministering to him. You shall become a plain, and you shall bring forth the, the top 
a stone amid the shouts of grace. In other words, this mountain's going to tr- crumble if you just do this. Shout grace, grace to it. Everybody shout grace for a moment. Grace. One more time. Grace. One more time. Grace. It's one of the reasons why we renamed this church Grace is because when you shout grace, unmerited favor, which, by the way, Mary was favored above all else. If she was favored, favor isn't getting the best parking place at the mall. Favor isn't the drive through line not being 20 minutes long. Favor is God saying that man or that woman is strong enough to do what I've laid on their shoulders. That's favor. And we, we have become soft in our Christian walk. We've given up on God because we think he's mad at us because we didn't get the promotion, the increase, or the raise that we thought we should have got. No, God knows who you are, and he will never let you down. He will take care of you every step of the way. Come on. So, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, this is Zechariah, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. In other words, what God has started in you, he will finish in you. No matter who he's moved out of the way, whether it was intentional or not intentional. He has, in fact, Abraham wasn't blessed until he got rid of Lot. Read the scriptures, read Genesis. Once he got rid of Lot, he was, Lot was never supposed to be with him. For whoever has despised the day of small beginnings shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line. Come on, worship team. And shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven eyes are the eyes of the Lord which reign throughout the whole earth. That's the Holy Spirit. Second Chronicles 16 and 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the earth, looking to whom he will bless. Listen, when you say steady with the Lord, now look at, he says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. What is he saying? He talks about a plumb line, which is a chalk line. Back in the day, before they had the infrared uh, lasers, they would take, one person would stand here, another person would stand here, they would draw a line, they would snap that chalk, and that's how they would lay the foundation. God is saying today, listen, church, all you need, this is God, all you need is a little bit of faith to say, I'm going to snap that chalk line. I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be with God. I know it ain't working out. I know things have gone. I know this has been a bad year. Whatever the case may be in your life, I know, I know, I know, I know the what, and I know the where, but right now, I'm about to snap a chalk line saying, okay, God, here I am. I'm making a statement by faith that says, God, it's going to work out, because you said that work that you started in me with the same work you finished. Let me stand up with, with me right now where you're at. And I want you to close your eyes. We're not going to ask for a raise of hand. We're not going to ask for anything. I'm just simply wanting to tell you, listen, if you're here and you feel like there's a what and where in your life that just things are diminishing, things aren't working out, things are being painful, I don't know, God, what in the world's going on and where am I headed? I want to tell you, you're right where God wants you to be. And the what is Jesus Christ. I'm sure Mary had that same feeling. God, what are you doing? Where are we going? What's going to take place? And yet God is in charge. I want to pray for you. I want you to examine yourself. Listen, God is not, God, you don't have to impress God. You can come quietly right now and express express to God 
those things that you have need of, those things that you are scared of, those things that you are anxious about, that sin that you're hiding from other people. You can be open and free with God. He knows anyways, but he will take you from one place to another. You need to snap that chalk line today and say, okay, God, here I am. This is a building block. From today on forward, I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep getting up. I'm going to keep swinging the bat. I'm going to keep on keeping on. And yes, you may have bad days. You might have failures in your life. You might have things that do not work out, but you keep moving forward. You keep putting your faith, your trust, your hope, your belief, your confidence in God Almighty. And you too will see that baby in the manger will grow to fruition and maturity, and God will bless you because of your faithfulness. Father, I pray right now over our friends here, those watching online, Father, Lord, those that have a what and where moment in their life, Lord, just like Mary did, and you called her favored, Lord, just like Mary did in Joseph, Lord, I pray right now, Father, that even if it's mind-boggling to the Sanhedrin, if it's mind-boggling to people here in their in, in America or in their, the part of the country of our, or people who are watching or listening or here in, ten, in, in, this, in Hickory, Lord, no matter what it looks like, Lord, that you, you show yourself faithful because you, according to Isaiah, are much more concerned about the end than you are the beginning. So help us, Father. We thank you, God. Bless each person. The song they're going to sing is The Blood is Still the Blood. And I like that part. And it mentions Mary. It's really a different Mary. But you could insert Mary's name in there on how some people called her blame and shame, but God knew her name. And I like the same thing because you could insert your name in there as well. The blood is still the blood. The blood that bore Christ and the blood that Christ bore is covered in covers our sins today. Let's worship today. God bless you. Thanks for coming out.
forgiven because of him today. Amen. Wasn't that a powerful message today? What a word for us just to kind of take into this next couple weeks and to think about this, what, where, in the eyes of Mary, and to think about what a baby, where, in a manger. You know, I love farm animals more than most people, uh, but every time I go to a farm with my family, I'm reminded about how unsanitary these animals are. You know, especially with the kids, because we have the hand sanitizer. You have to wash your hands. You got to take your shoes off. Don't, Judy, don't put that in your mouth. There's something on there. And to think about the, the manger and the stable where Jesus was born in. To think about Mary on this journey and thinking about, I'm delivering my child here in this place. To say it was inadequate would be not to say enough. It, the one thing you want when you get delivering a baby is a sanitary, sterile environment. And yet Mary was just, did the best she could. And she had to say, what, where? And to, and to think about the, the way that she kept herself pure, but then had to endure the shame of people who judged her and thought poorly about her. And then to fast forward 33 years and to see Mary looking at her son crucified on a cross, it's just probably certainly not what she wanted. You know, as a teenage girl growing up and thinking, this is not the way I planned this to be. But it was God's plan and it's what God, so this Christmas, when you might think about yourself and your life and your situation and where you find yourself to think, you know what? What I have to offer God just seems inadequate. It seems like a stable in comparison. Where I find myself just doesn't seem like it's where I thought I would be at this stage of my life. Or, you know, to be Christmas here without my loved one, it just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem, but God, this is not what I planned. But to say, God, I surrender it to you. Why did Mary have to do this? Why was she the one she could have said, I wish it was somebody else? but she was highly favored. She just looked at God and said, be it unto me according to your word, Lord. Whatever it is that you have for my life, this is not an easy road, but I take it, God, and I just ask that you'd give me the grace to do it. So this Christmas, if you find yourself where you're not really hoping you were gonna be at this time, or if you feel like what you have to offer seems to be inadequate compared to what you really wanted to present to God, just be like Mary and say, God, be it unto me according to your word. Whatever it is, Lord, that you have for me, I acknowledge you. 
And I just ask that you would direct my steps. Now I'm going to take it and ask that you give me the grace to do it. Amen. And so I just want to close the service in a word of prayer. But if you need prayer specifically, you can come up here after, after church is over. We'd love just to agree with you, whatever it is that's going on in your life. But let's go before the Lord one more time. Lord, we thank you that you are a gracious, loving, heavenly Father. And we know that situations don't always work out the way that we plan them to work out. Lord, and sometimes we just have to ask, what? Where? This doesn't make sense. But Lord, we know that your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so Lord, we just humbly surrender our lives to you today. Lord, and we just present our lives to you, God, as inadequate as they might seem, even the situation, as far off from the projected path we thought we would be on. Lord, we just say, God, to you, be it unto me according to your word. Lord, if we are favored, we just ask, God, that you would just have your way in our lives. God, in whatever is the, the, the plan of suffering or whatever it is that we're going through, Lord, we just do it with grace. Lord, and we ask that you would be pleased with our sacrifice and with this. God, we acknowledge you now. God, I ask that you bless each person here today, that you'd fill us with your spirit, empower us to do the work and the will that you have for us. This Christmas time, Lord, let us fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday.